Now it's time for Greg Bishop and the Council Roundup. And last night's meeting, about an hour and 45 minutes, but a lot to get to. I uh, typically don't focus on zoning, but we're going to touch on that. We're going to hear about uh, events planned for downtown Springfield, including the uh, Independence Day celebrations and the Juneteenth celebrations, plus so much more. Stay tuned. It's right here with the Council Roundup, brought to you each and every Wednesday. By Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to Head West. Their downtown location open for lunch, Head West Subs. And again, uh, shout out to everybody who tunes in. Uh, I know that uh, not a lot of other media uh, delve into the council meeting from the night before as in-depth as we do. Uh, typically, back in the years past, you thought maybe uh, you'd open the newspaper and read about stuff, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, so I'm glad to be able to provide this as uh, not just a, a service to keep you in Informed, but also entertained because let's face it there's some good personalities on there and uh, it's good to highlight some of the the clips that don't necessarily make the news uh, so it is the council roundup here on Springfield's morning news I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY Springfield's news and talk so let's get right into it typically don't focus on zoning but there were some interesting issues that came up last night I wanted to highlight and uh, one of them dealing with uh, a vacant lot. Here's how that played out with the mayor reading one of the uh, particular items from last night's zoning hearing. For the property located at 800 South MacArthur Boulevard, petitioners Millbrook, Inc. So this is there on MacArthur. It's a vacant lot. You've got um, uh, the more explanation of what's going on here. Sangman County Regional Planning Staff recommendation is denial. Planning and Zoning Commission recommendation is accept standards of variation as in petition and grant the petition as submitted. Valid petition has been filed, so they would take uh, eight votes to pass this petition. So uh, pretty pretty big threshold there to uh, try to surmount uh, to get this thing passed and these changes passed. Gordon Gates, he is an attorney. He represents a lot of clients in front of the city council about zoning issues. Uh, he has a pretty decent record of winning cases, and he lays out some of the things that he wants for his clients. There's a vacant lot that's been sitting in the corner of um, <clears throat> Lawrence and MacArthur for at least 40 years and uh, we're asking that we be able to park um, somewhere between five and, and uh, eight cars on that lot. Um, they're prepared to uh, pave it, they're prepared to put up all the setbacks, they're prepared to put up the screening, they're prepared to put up all the, the landscaping and make it an attractive spot. So a lot of work's going to be done for it but essentially taking a vacant lot and making it a parking lot. We are trying to find the best use for this property, and I think the highest and best use clearly is as a surface parking lot to serve the business that's across the street. So the business across the street is Bright Starts, a uh, home care operation, and uh, Gordon Gates kind of lays out some of the uh, local impact they have on the community. This is a local business that has a $3 million payroll, annual payroll, it's in the building that's across the street that's been a business for at least 30 years. It was a law office, an insurance office. Now it's the business that my clients run, which is a home health care business. 
So uh, they just want to make sure that uh, they have a place to park. There's this lot that's been vacant for 40 years. It's zoned residential. They want to be able to just turn it into a parking lot. So that's ultimately where we're at here. Alderwoman Kristen DeCenso not happy about this ordinance. The neighbors have been extremely vocal about this. Um, the plan you talked about for MacArthur, uh, that's not finalized because the neighbors have also been very vocal about that. So I am highly opposed to this. This is the third worst intersection in the city of Springfield. And what you're proposing is for people to walk across the street where I've seen cyclists hit, where I've seen pedestrians hit, where I've seen countless crashes. Um, it's a hard no. So uh, obviously uh, <laughs> not getting approval from that particular alderwoman. Uh, there was an opponent from the audience who wanted to speak, Greg DeWise. He's with the historic Westside Neighborhood Association. There was some consideration to raise fruit trees on the site. Habitat for Humanity inquired about its availability, but as the owner said, uh, the COVID pandemic occurred and those discussions kind of dropped off. But at the family's option, the property was never really marketed for sale over the years. So there might have been a 40-year absence of development, but that was at the family's choice, that it wasn't really marketed. So what's the business's plan here? Uh, again, here's uh, more from Gordon Gates. The intention of Brightstar to only use... I apologize, that's not Gordon Gates. That's uh, still Greg DeWise. The intention of Brightstar to only use a lot during normal business hours is not restricted by the zoning change and therefore not enforceable. They had talked about only using it during business hours. So uh, if it's you know allowed to be a parking lot, people could park there really whenever. Alderman McMiniman, he uh, appreciates the work that uh, Bright Start does, says they do great work for the community and the owner of that company is investing in other areas of the community as well, but he can't support this. Here's uh, some of the rationale. And I'm okay with, I pass that lot probably every day for the last 30 years. And it's always been um, a safety enhancement to the neighborhood to have that block empty so that when you approach that busy intersection, you can kind of see more from different angles. Makes sense, right? I mean, if it's a pretty busy intersection, you don't want something that's going to block oncoming traffic from being able to see cross traffic. Uh, but Alderman McMiniman continues. Uh, I think the city ought to consider purchasing that lot and beautifying that lot. To, to, to a greater extent than it is right now with uh, flowers because what we and 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 that kind of thing because what we do when we do when we accomplish that he says it increases the property values all around here's gordon gates this is a busy intersection there's no way anybody's going to put a house on this intersection it's not ever going to happen um, because of the reasons you just mentioned so that's what it's zoned and as a result the zoning code, as enforced by you people, has rendered this property valueless. Mm. And I find that to be troubling um, as a land use uh, attorney. Well, you got to think, if uh, they, they bought this land and then it's essentially rendered valueless, uh, then what does that mean for the owner of the property? I mean, if they, if they can't do anything with it, what's the point of even having that property? Here's more from Gordon Gates. Uh, yeah, if the city wants to buy it, great, and put a park up there, that's lovely. But you can't order a private citizen to have his property be dedicated to a, pro a public use. That's well, not Mr. Gates, what we very do. respectfully, that house, the Bright Star house, 
was my grandparents' house. Understood. So it was a re is, was a re residential use house for many, many decades. But it hasn't been for 30 years. It has been a business, and behind it is a business, and behind it is a But the notion that home. it can't be a, a single-family home or a duplex is not true. It could be. So obviously uh, the debate's still going on there. Alderwoman Conley laid out some of the reasons that she can't support this and broke the news to Gordon Gates that he's likely not going to add to the win category. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, oh, I understand where you Don't need to apologize to me. I get it. No, I'm, I'm sorry for your, your winning record. I, am, I, I don't anticipate <laughs> that for this case. But I do appreciate the, the, the case that you made. Thank you. Thank All you. right, so uh, ultimately that did not pass. So uh, Gordon Gates uh, not able to put a W in there. We'll see if that comes back up. But sometimes some zoning debates are interesting and kind of get a, a feel for the idea of what zoning is all about and how that thing things could possibly change. So uh, always good to kind of uh, understand how that works because you, as a property owner, may indeed find yourself on the other end of a zoning hearing. Back with the Council Roundup, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch. It is Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop with the Council Roundup. So last night had zoning and one issue that I had queued up, but just don't have time to play. Dealt with uh, the, the changes over at Ursuline Academy. And uh, <laughs> I didn't hear all of the elaborate zoning issues that there were, but ultimately you had uh, uh, some, some, some renovations and some new life being breathed into that uh, with that uh, project Tony Libri is a part of. Also, you've got uh, Pastor Eric Hansen involved with that as well. Uh, so that uh, that got some good words last night at the Springfield City Council. All right. So uh, what else happened last night? So after zoning, uh, it was time to jump in and start hearing about uh, 3 a.m. liquor licenses. That's right. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. But first, a review of what the city got from the legislative session. Here's Mayor Jim Langfelder announcing their guests to give that overview of action at the State House. Invite up Larry Luster from GR Consulting to update us on the uh recent legislative session. So Larry Luster, uh, the consultant, uh, hobby, uh, lobbyist hired by the city, I think for like 70,000 or so, and he gave an overview of what they were able to accomplish. It was a unique session with it being so quick, but like I said, I think we had a reasonable amount of victories. Not everything that we wanted, we won, but I think even within that, there were still quite a few victories. So what are some of those victories? And this year we were able to get the um, Madison Park Place SHA TIF that again passed unanimously, which will help the city quite a bit. Um, CWLP, we were able to get um, a new $6 million appropriation for the carbon capture system that CWLP has that you all are familiar with. Um, and also we positioned Springfield with the governor's office in the, uh, the, re the re reimagining electric vehicle act to be um, positioned to get some, some new investments from the state of Illinois that, that'll come forth pretty soon. Um, the governor will probably reach out, or his, his administration will probably reach out with some additional information about those resources that will be forthcoming so you can have electric charging stations in downtown and other places throughout Springfield. Interesting. All right. Uh, even more. And that was a bill that um, originally there was a public act about four years ago. There was a, a law that was passed that ensured Springfield was considered for state jobs. And we all know that Springfield needs those state jobs so we can so it can be that economic system that we need here in here in Springfield. Um, so we were able to protect that bill. So uh, Springfield was considered first anytime there were any new jobs that came um, that came that that 
were going to be let by the by the by the state. So yeah, that was a measure passed uh, during the Rounder administration to require that any new state jobs be in Sangamon County and Springfield. Uh, and uh, there may have been some efforts to try to chop away at that. Um, how about some money? Uh, Springfield uh, area gets some some cash money from the state. About three million dollars. <coughs> a three million million dollar investment um, for new equipment programs and training. After school uh, after school program dollars, internship dollars, and summer job programs. So there's another three million dollars that came in. Um, Two hundred fifty thousand dollars came into the mid to the Mid Illinois Medical District um, for you know so they can staff up and have different developments that they're looking to achieve. To by the way, just so you know, I'm the one ringing the bell. There was nobody ringing a bell last night at the city council meeting. So just uh, just so you're clear and aware, I know you can't see me uh, hitting the bell, but. <laughs> The city's getting some money. It's your tax money. Coming back to you. All right. Help our region address the medical needs of its citizens. Um, the state fairground, um, we were able to uh, get some appropriations uh, for facility improvement and also um, some tax exemptions for parking to help folks out. And that was a big deal. Uh, a lot of people who, uh, you know, open up their yards for parking during the Illinois State Fair uh, were worried about some of the uh, regulations concerning a parking tax. So got a little bit of a carve out there. Uh, and there was also more money for police technology, cameras on expressways and the like. Uh, more from Larry Lester overviewing what else police got. There was some money appropriated there for that and also some money appropriated for uh, the co-responder pilot program, um, the initiative to, to ensure that there's social workers at, um, when, when they responded to, to, to situations opposed to just, um, to, to just police officers. Yeah, and Springfield, along with like Peoria, I think Champaign, maybe um, Chicago, part of a pilot program uh, in a measure that passed to have a co-responder uh, go out for certain calls to assist police. So it would be a, a social worker of sorts. So that'll be uh, interesting to monitor that because uh, Springfield's part of that pilot program. Uh, but some unfinished business uh, Larry lays out for the Springfield City Council last night. Um, able, also able to spark some conversations around gaming. I know that there's there's an appetite to bring a casino uh, to Springfield. Um, we found out a lot of information from the chairman about the process and also from the gaming board about the process and things that they would like to see. Meanwhile, you've got uh, pensions not necessarily addressed at the state house. Uh, worked with uh, the Illinois Municipal League and other cities um, to to lower that. We were we weren't as successful as we wanted to be, but we didn't uh, put ourselves in a position where we owed more either. So uh, broke even a bit. So I think that was a pretty good overview of uh, legislative action uh, impacting city of Springfield. So if you get a chance, you might want to watch that in its entirety uh, to get even uh, a deeper dive. So again, uh, Larry Luster hired by the city uh, to lobby the state house in those final few weeks. And it was a mad rush. I could imagine he had some long nights. Back with the council roundup. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to Head West. Council Roundup brought to you by Head West each and every Wednesday, where we bring you a breakdown of what happened at the Springfield City Council meeting the evening before. In an hour and a 45-minute meeting last night, they had zoning. We tackled some of that. We heard from lobbyists about what happened at the State House. That's good for the city of Springfield. And also some unfinished business. Uh, but also, we're hearing now about a 3 a.m. liquor license request. Here is the beginning of this conversation. For RebCore LLC doing business at Click, located at 411 East Washington Street. 
So this would essentially take the 3 a.m. license that Station House got. Station House no longer there. It's actually going to be torn down soon with the parking garage that's being taken down there as well. Uh, but this new uh, organization, uh, this new establishment, Click, is set to go. They want that 3 a.m. license. Alderman Joe McMiniman, not a big fan of the 3 a.m. licenses. You know, a 1 a.m. Is, is fine. Just keep it a 1 a.m. And uh, I think we'll be better off. You know, we've already got the 3 a.m. kitty corner to the Click. We've got the Alamo there. And there's a parking lot in between. The Alamo's trying to do as best they can to um, moderate their activity. As I understand it, um, Alamo now no longer accepts folks in after 1.30 a.m. Uh, those that are there can stay, um, but they don't accept additionals. I don't know if that's spelled out in ordinance. That's just a, a policy. I'm sure they could change any time they wanted to change it. Uh, meanwhile, Alderwoman Lakeisha Purchase jumping in, just making sure that uh, one aspect uh, is clear for everybody that's involved here. Click had agreed when Alderman Hanauer had mentioned it last week that after 1 o'clock they don't use the parklets and come outside to hang out, and they said they were okay with that. So I would write... I want to make sure my bar, okay. They said they were okay with that, so how do we put, can we put that in there too before we vote? And it's not necessarily something they need to put in there because it's kind of already in there. Here's uh, Corporation Council's Urkel. When you apply for the permit, it's like the, uh, uh, there are limitations and it's either 11 or one, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's already a limitation. Okay. Uh, on that. So it's already spelled out that uh, you can't be hanging out in the parklet past uh, either 11 or 1. They'll double check on all of that. Alderman Williams wants to make sure that this moves forward. That we have the ability to regulate this thing that we have both living downtown for residents who like that downtown living but kind of quiet and then the ones who are going to be by the bars and want that young people activity living in the city quote unquote type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, to have something for them, too. And Alderman McMiniman jumping back into the debate. From what I can see, the, the 3 a.m. crowd is a slice of a slice of a slice of, of, um, of the population out there. And I, I don't think we ought to jeopardize the larger slice because of a smaller slice. You know, I, I went out quite a bit when I was uh, a youngin. Um, I was in a rock band, enjoyed going to the bars. I was in the food service industry, and after, you know, a, a restaurant would close at 11, it was always, let's go hit the bars. And I don't think I ever was really out more than a handful of times to a 3 a.m. bar. I was likely ready to go to bed by that time. <laughs> One o'clock comes around, I'm like... <sighs> Anyways, um, so but there is a need there. I mean, there's obviously we want people to have a safe space to go. Uh, we don't want people having block parties out in the middle of a park, uh, that type of thing. And those are some of the concerns there are um, with not having a 3 a.m. bar is people are going to go find a place to have fun regardless. But having a, an establishment that's well lit, safe in downtown and, you know, can be uh, uh, monitored properly and so on uh, is important. Alderman Chuck Redpath says he's not a fan of 3 a.m. bars. You know, I, I don't support 3 a.m. licenses. Um, I, we've had too many bad actors downtown with 3 a.m. licenses that I don't agree with. But in this case, I'm going to support this ordinance because these two, these two gentlemen are going to be good business people. We need good businesses downtown to set precedent and show how a good business can be run. Uh, Ryan Bandy was a, was a good business owner, and I know that these two young men were, will do the same thing. 
show he's going to support it. Alderwoman Conley? Alderman Redpath, you, you kind of summarized most of what I was going to say. And Sometimes we think alike. I, that is one of the scariest <laughs> things I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Full stop. Um, no, but I, I'm excited to see this opening. We, we, had, we had a gap in our community when we lost um, the station house, so I'm really excited to see this expanding. Hope to see uh, Alderwoman Conley down there at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt. She even said that it's likely she's not going to be out there. But, uh, you know, her, her 20 uh, something year old kids are going to be able to go down there. Alderman McMiniman again opposing this. But I think if we took a poll of our city residents, our taxpayers, uh, do you want another 3 a.m.? What do you think of 3 a.m.s in the city of Springfield? It would be a 70%, 80% would say no, no more 3 a.m.s. I think we should have a daily poll on that. Uh, maybe uh, I get uh, Jim to make that a daily poll so we could do our own uh, scientific research. Uh, so let's see what the outcome would be. Here's the vote. Ordinance passes with six voting yes, two voting no, and one voting present. So there you go. Uh, Click going to get that 3 a.m. license. So uh, be looking out for uh, good nights out on the town uh, very soon. Meanwhile, some money going out to the Springfield JCs. I assume this is not going to be a 3 a.m. Is that with the JCs? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> they're set to get $40,000. And no, they're not going to have a 3 a.m. liquor license for that. But uh, regardless, it's for the uh, Independence Day celebrations. And uh, you got um, uh, the, the Springfield Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, director there um, uh, to, to talk about exactly what's going on. Scott Dahl addresses that it wasn't uh, the JCs who were looking to come to the city for these dollars. It was actually the city that went to the JCs and said, can you guys uh, organize this event? The CVB, myself personally, approached the JCs uh, for this destination <clears throat> event. This was in our FY23 budget as the ARPAD initiatives. It was designated as a destination event. After consulting with my staff, DSI, and the uh, Springfield Hotel Lodging Association, we came up with this celebration to get them back on their feet. As you know from their presentation last week, they have a game plan to be self-sustainable and move this forward. So. The Bureau approached the JCs. The JCs did not approach the Bureau. So just so that's clear, uh, you had Alderman Gregory express support for the JCs, but also was disappointed that there wasn't similar support going out to the Juneteenth celebrations, which we'll actually hear more about coming up here in just a moment. Uh, but also last night, the ordinance concerning trying to prohibit people from jumping out in the middle of traffic for any purpose, be it panhandling or whatever the case may be, uh, that measure is going to be held in committee for another two weeks. Uh, I did receive this afternoon a copy of the uh, letter from uh, ACLU, and I was going to simply make the recommendation as a uh, an opportunity basically to review the materials, because I did just get this at like 4 o'clock, uh, was simply postpone this for two weeks till the next council meeting. Oh, boy. And I'll be able to give you a, a complete written response uh, to the letter. I'll make and that again, motion. Second. I think that's a prudent and proper thing to do, given second that we just got it. With so uh, we'll actually get your take on that after 8 o'clock. I'll open up the phones to hear from you about uh, what we should do about this. Panhandlers getting into the roadway and causing some problems. How do we approach it uh, with uh, keeping in mind First Amendment rights? So uh, be thinking about that. We'll get to your calls in about 20 minutes. But also last night you had a citizen address the council. 
Um, as stated, my name is Sharina Douglas, and I am here on behalf of Juneteenth Incorporated. She talks about the importance of Juneteenth and bringing the neighborhoods together and making it a longer than just two-day event. And uh, Juneteenth, very special time for recognition of the absolute end of slavery, where uh, people were, were told about their freedom uh, even years after the end of the Civil War. Uh, and she says that uh, it's not to be confused with uh, Independence Day, uh, July 4th. Juneteenth is the Independence Day for America. I think I told you guys this last year. Fourth of July is a birthday. Oh, yeah, we party on our birthday. That's the day when we were birthed as a nation. But Juneteenth is the day where everybody, could black men, white men, can say we are free as a whole. So, uh, yeah, Juneteenth uh, and also uh, Independence Day. Uh, people uh, making their plans.